Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to Rain Stop Play. This week we're here to round up the start of the World Cup, talk about the qualifiers and some other news that has broken today. Uh, we're going to get straight into that before I welcome everyone on the pod. Uh, Will and Glenn are here. Will, new microphone, um, but a pretty damaging Sunday for you. Um, we'll come on to it a bit more, but how are you feeling today? I was, I was worried about it yesterday. Yeah, I usually say I'm doing great, Dan. How are you? But um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm slightly ill today and, and a nightmare weekend of sport between India and United yesterday. So this is therapy as much as anything else. Yeah, I hope it's a cathartic experience for you and for some of our Indian listeners, potentially. Um, if you're a United fan as well, sorry about the weekend. Uh, Glenn, joining us from Iowa City, Iowa. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Thank you. I'm less prepared for the pod than Ollie was for that crunch fix yesterday. Um, had to get at least one line in. Uh, yeah, we called this together pretty short notice. I'd say like an hour and a bit ago. Um, so thank you, Will, um, and obviously Dan for for getting the uh, at least most of the team together for this. And yeah, my football game was called off. Unfortunately, we had we had a torrential rain all day yesterday. And considering I don't have spikes yet, I've only got my Astros. It's for the best because I would have been like gliding around the pitch. That could have been an injury. Any any. Uh... Uh, any updates on the indoor cricket over there or are we still gonna have to wait for some some indoor cricket content um so we yeah so we played indoor cricket for the first time last week did we did we cover that on the last pod i can't you know i don't know what day it is these you mentioned days. it might be a possibility so yeah played a game now yeah so i did play i did play um the week before this weekend so we can a bit ago yeah it was sunday night uh, a lot of nations represented it was about eight of us i think it was we had people from pakistan bangladesh uh, and india and me as the token Englishman, <laughs> it was um, superb. It was a lot of fun. We did four aside. We did basically, I think it was five overs aside indoors. Yeah. Um, and we did three games, uh, three of those. Uh, my team lost every single one. Uh, three nil hammering, um, series defeat within two hours, which was mm. a bit unfortunate. Um, performance wise, uh, my bowling was really dross. It started off okay, I think, because no one really realized how bad it was. So you obviously you get an over, you know, everyone wants to have a look. And the second they realized I 
can't really bowl anymore. Um, that was unfortunate. Uh, there was no place for a wicketkeeper either. We're playing indoors. We're actually playing where the... That's your Iowa... role though, isn't it? That's where you drive. <sighs> That's I, I yeah I felt a little bit hard done by because um, yeah we're playing in the indoor basically training facility where the um, Iowa football team the university football team plays and because they're one of the biggest uh, in the nation it's a really really nice facility uh, so that was great the place was fantastic but yeah I couldn't wiki keep which was a shame my fielding actually was solid I took two dare I say excellent catches um, in the game and batting was so so a gorgeous cover drive in my first innings a duck in my second and the game was gone by the time I, I you know I strolled in batting fourth in that third game so run rate was approximately I think 40 and over at that point so <laughs> <laughs> well I'm excited for this and I hope we get some more indoor cricket content because we'll obviously be missing Zach's outdoor cricket content because it it's the winter over here so <laughs> you know exciting to see that thank you for that Glenn um, and I like the idea that you kick out the Iowa college football team to <laughs> to bowl a few twirly leg spinners you did take a catch of me when, when we played in in clapham over the summer will bowl and I, I genuine nick and i was like and you were behind the stumps i was like glenn's not going to catch that i nicked it and i thought like, he's not going to catch that and you went up like did you catch that and it was just sat in your hands and i was feeling <laughs> under the armpit off i went <laughs> lowest point of my summer right um that's enough small talk let's get straight into this and the breaking news today that i wasn't expecting i don't think other people seen they were i'll let you boys know this is ben stokes is back He's ready for Australia, in his own words. This is so exciting. Great to see him healthy, physically and mentally, and in a place to come and um, and represent England in, in the biggest series for us. Um, Will, were you surprised by this? I, I was surprised to see him back. He'll be going out on the 4th of November at the, at the start of the tour. Um, and it, I think it's livened up what was looking like a fairly dead ashes series. A little bit surprised, yeah, because we, we spoke before when the squad was announced and when there was lots of news about who you know, which players are going to be considering not going i kind of thought that if he was going to make this decision he would have made it a couple of weeks ago and been part of all of those announcements so it's a bit of a surprise um personally i, I appreciate i appreciate the entertainment value of everybody in cricket media having written their ideal england 11 assuming he won't be there and now having to rewrite everything and do a new podcast oh no they're so... buzzing they're going to be buzzing <laughs> they get more column inches to write we can do another part you know it's just more content at the end of the day it is and obviously on a, on a serious note yeah i mean fantastic for him that he feels able to to come back and be back around international cricket it does seem like a a big you know massive commitment we said before i wouldn't want to go to australia for the best part of two three months in bubble and weird covid arrangements so um great news that, that he feels able to, to go and do that and join the team and obviously a massive massive impact on england from a playing side of things he completely changes that 11 it's amazing how much it balances that team up. The the amount of options that opens up for us now to play a specialist spinner every day, uh, every test match, and not worry about whether we want to combat or not. It's 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 fairly huge. Um, Glenn, he was teasing us on Instagram. You know, bit of him batting, bit of him bowling, and that to me made me think he's going to come back for like under the third test towards that sort of Boxing Day time and sort of save us from this two 0 deficit we'll probably be in. Uh, but it's great, isn't it? He's going to be there from the start. He's flying out in just over a week he should get some good prep some good rehab and i think he can perform for us right uh, i'm thrilled i mean he's the x factor that as you as you both kind of mentioned this series needed uh i think a lot of england fans were feeling a bit flat um uh, you know obviously considering the you know the personal politics um going into this uh, with with i have great respect for the england players um you know who 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 weren't who say who were on the record saying you know i am not necessarily comfortable missing that much time with my family like absolutely i fully back that um but for that to an extent to be sorted out i think was great that obviously got this whole thing moving and yeah for stokes to come in i love 
love the little teasers. It was like it was, uh, you know, United had just signed Sancho or something. We had the urn, we had some training. You know, we should have had him like signing a pen, like signing his passport or something. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was great. I thought it was really fun. I think it was tongue in cheek as well. Um, but I mean, it really was testament um, to you know how much of an impact he has on you know international cricket as a whole. Like he really is. That special player that, you know, every team has. Um, I, I'll be interested to see moving forward how many overs we expect to get out of him. I know the bowling has been a bit of a struggle for him. Obviously, that'll be more of a separate pod, Ash's preview thing. But that's on my mind. But to be honest, the personality, uh, the enthusiasm, the quality and drive, uh, determination he brings. Like He's just he's just such a he's such a, you know, wonderful player. And I'm as you mentioned, it really just gives gives us a boost. Um, and I think the timing's interesting, you know, on the back of, it's been a really great, I'd say, what, 40, 48 hours, 72 hours for English cricket, because as we'll get on to, we have an absolute hammering against an uh, excellent T20 side, you know, as one-sided a game, nearly, uh, I'm kind of nodding at Will here, nearly as one-sided as you can get. And, um, <laughs> Good. And <laughs> to come off the back of that, and then to get what is, you know, a lot of people's cricketing hero in the team, I mean, this is, you know, a great 72 hours. Obviously, we're going to lose to a minnow soon, and the spell will be broken, but I'm going to savor it while we can. I'll enjoy it. Yeah, between, you know, this is going to go out hopefully tonight. I'm sure we'll lose to a minnow and the Ashes series will be 5-0. And I'll speak to you in January, Glenn. And we'll just remember this. <laughs> and story. we'll cut this. <laughs> yeah, late October 2021. Let's cut this in. Let's cut that moment of joy in. Uh, yeah, so welcome back, Ben Stokes. Great news for English cricket. Great news for cricket. I know, I think Nathan Lyon said on, on the, the Grey Cricketer podcast that he'd want Stokes there. So I think it's a good thing for everybody involved. That's very exciting. Uh, another bit of news came this week is the uh, the India-England Test Match Series is going to happen. That fifth test will happen. A one-off test. I can't remember when it is. I just remembered it. I just added it into this bit of intro. Uh, but on that, Will, it's, it's a bit weird, isn't it? It's going to be so surreal to have a test series finish a year later or just under a year later who knows what those teams could look like it doesn't really seem fair on either side whoever wins that it's like especially india because they would have won that test right they, they absolutely would have gone and won that so it's going to be weird but it's another test next summer so that's fun right absolutely and it's, and it's in birmingham and it's in birmingham which is huge there you go and that's the main takeaway obviously it's incredibly silly that we're having a fifth test of a series that happened a year ago does it really count <laughs> so probably silly. not i'm sure we're going to have a whole wave of discourse next year regardless of the result about whether does this count as india winning the series etc etc don't really care the bottom line is for some ridiculous reason over this summer the powers that be scheduled five test matches between india and england and didn't put one in birmingham <laughs> home of objectively the best atmosphere to watch cricket between India and England. Um, I've had amazing times at Baston seeing that fixture. It's criminal that wasn't supposed to be won last summer. Fantastic, it's going to be one next. I'm eagerly awaiting the little email to let me put in for the ballot. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we can go and get a little RSP uh, debut game in. I think that could be, a, that could be, I don't want to say meet and greet. Uh, we can meet and greet ourselves. <laughs> we, we can see each other. I think that's definitely an opportunity to, to, to go and see some good cricket. If anyone wants to crowdfund a plane ticket for Glenn more than welcome <laughs> yes we would very much appreciate that quick uh where's your nearest airport at chicago again flights from chicago to birmingham yeah that'll probably be the best one that'll be straight yes, in guys. just yes, just guys. for five days we, we'll, set, we'll set up a patreon account and like one membership costs the exact like return flight <laughs> we'll see if one person fancies that uh yeah so that's something to look forward to next year uh will final thing final, final bit of news before we get into the uh the t20 world cup uh ipl auction there's two new ipl teams coming how are they going to be formed? Do we know where they're going to be? I don't quite understand how somebody gets one of these two open slots in the IPL. A very lucrative spot, by the way. So who's going for them? 
Yeah, I'm really interested in this news. We've known for a while that there were going to be two new IPL franchises at some point decided this month. As it turns out, they met in an extremely fancy hotel bar, much like where you'd do the the IPL player auction, you know, nice decorated tables, looks like a wedding, they'll get free alcohol on the table. (laughs) And they've basically invited uh, 18 groups of some of the richest sports investing millionaires and billionaires on the planet to come and try and bid for a stake in an IPL team. I don't quite understand how it's matched up between the locations and the winning bids. This is literally breaking news right now, so I don't quite understand how that came to be. We know, as as, as you pointed out earlier, Dan, that the uh, Manchester United owning Glazer family were interested, um, which raised the horrific prospect for me of a Glazer-owned Ahmedabad United playing at the Narendra Modi Stadium, which is sort of hell on earth oh from a sporting my, context. I think, <laughs> I think we could let you go for about an hour on that and just rant if that does that come to be. Fortunately, we don't have to because it did not happen. We can now confirm that the new IPL teams will be in Lucknow and Ahmedabad. No Glazer involvement. They've been beaten to the bids um, by one giant Indian business conglomerate and another private equity firm that seems to have stakes in La Liga and rugby and various other things. So basically two giant sports conglomerates. The really interesting thing, though, is how ridiculous the numbers are getting in terms of the finances. And you can see that if we compare it to the previous values that other IPL teams have gone for when they entered into the league. Um, so there's a great uh, tweet by Deepu uh, Narayanan on this, which shows the growth. So when the initial teams were launched, we, we start with Rajasthan Royals, which was 67 uh, million US dollars. Much of the other early teams, CSK, DC, Sunrisers, all in that 67 to 107 band, RCB just above 100 million. Then the two new teams that were added in 2011 uh, in Kerala and Pune, big jump up to 300 odd million for each of those. So that was 10 years ago now. Fast forward 10 years, it's more than doubled in value. I made a bad go for 710 million US dollars. Look no, just shy of $1 billion which is absolutely ridiculous for a sport which didn't exist 15 years ago. I mean, these are the numbers that we're talking about for clubs like Manchester United. Huge, huge values. And it's because from a business standpoint, you can't lose. It's absolute perfection. It's, it's a, it's a, you're bidding for a license to print money because as lots of people have pointed out and credit for to, uh, Tim Wigmore also had a great tweet on this. The whole thing about the IPL is it's clearly modelled on US sports. It's a franchise model. There's no relegation. There's no cost for losing. Nearly half the teams, in fact, exactly half the teams make the uh, playoffs every year. So even if you're pretty mediocre, you might still get extra matches that you can get your your crowds in for. It's pretty much KKR. There you go. It's pretty much guaranteed money. And the really terrifying thing is it still has a lot of growth potential there because you've still the global audience is growing there are still loads of things that the IPL will probably change considerably in the next few years that we haven't even seen yet the prospect of more showpiece events like an all-star game matches abroad played in other countries which the NFL and the NBA have both done expect that from the IPL in the next few years the possibility of the cricket at the next Olympics as well or at the 2028 Olympics I think they're pitching for that could be another shot in the arm to profitability in terms of bringing cricket to new audiences in different countries so I I think the takeaway from this is one yeah we're getting two new teams which is which is pretty interesting and that will lead to a mega auction early next year for new players that's going to make the competitive side of things interesting but also from a longer term perspective the numbers and the finances involved with this are absolutely ridiculous and lots of you know we know that now that India and the BCCI are the juggernaut of cricket but they have by no means peaked or plateaued this is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger at the moment or at least all of the investors are expecting that 
and we could probably should probably expect to see even more impact on the pitch for the IPL in the next few years. Probably another rise of two more teams to 12 teams at the minimum, and probably, as I say, more set-piece events. Great roundup on that, Will, because this is a, an ever-moving story at the minute. I think it's kind of tricky to keep hold of. Those, those numbers are, are crazy. When you think, did Newcastle go for 300 million uh, you know, the other week to the Saudis? You've got to think how long Newcastle have been around, how long the sport's been around in football. As you said, T20 didn't exist 15 years ago, and you've got teams going for nearly a billion US dollars now. Um, and it's amazing that, that Kochi and Pune, who are only around for two years, right, while those two other teams were uh, suspended, went for that much money as well. Um, fascinating. Location-wise, Will, are we happy with those two for, for areas of injury that needed a team? Or, I mean, Ahmedabad, I guess, with, with the, the stadium kind of needed one. Uh, Luck now, I don't know much about. Yeah, I made about was pretty inevitable. I think lots of people were hoping that Pune would get one because, as you say, they used to have a team. Um, now don't probably will in the next couple of years. Um, yeah, it's interesting. They're, they the investors got a, a section of about six to eight locations to choose from, which I guess were chosen by the IPL themselves, um, which is a slightly random collection of places. And there's been lots of commentary about there. You know, there are a couple of Indian states among the most populous who don't have any teams yet. Um, so I'd expect a completely different set of locations to be on the menu for next time around. Yeah, as you said, plenty of room for expansion as well. One more point on this, because it's a really interesting topic, is cricket the Olympics uh, 2028, right, would, would be the next one in America. If if cricket can crack America and if the IPL can crack America, imagine that. I thought um, the Grand Prix was in Austin yesterday and F1 has cracked the American market there. There were 400,000 people there. Some of the biggest... Uh, names in sport and in, in the celebrity world and i think their drive to survive series on, on netflix is a big part of that and cracking the american market for f1 is huge glenn you're over there you're in the states you're kind of you know ear to the ground over there although you're doing much more important stuff in this podcast um what what's the chance of that of the ipl cracking america the franchise format's there the americans understand that but do they care about cricket would they care about cricket in india enough to really buy into it yeah, well, first of all, this podcast is the most important thing I do. I do want to get that on the, <laughs> good, uh, good, yeah, on the ledger. Uh, I, I think it's fascinating. I mean, just before that, it does make me think a little bit about, you know, the allure of the Super League in terms of in terms of football. You can obviously see exactly why there's this kind of hyper-capitalist dream in which it's just pure profit, because as you, as you beautifully put, Will, uh, really, really impressed with your little segment there. Um, yeah, it, 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 there's no risks. You get all the money. I think printing money is a really nice way of putting it. If you're not going to get relegated, if you're not going to end up like a, you know a Sunderland FC or even you know even a Wigan that goes up and then just really tumbles down um, or you know a Nottingham Forest that's you know had so many years of tradition history and success even in Europe and now you know they're just struggling in the championship um, it's the second division for for, international, for some international listeners of, of, of football domestically in the UK um, yeah this is just like is an absolute dream um, for for owners uh, you know it's, it's an investment that never stops returning and um, yeah in terms of America I, I we will be i'm going to pen in a uh, an american cricket special in the next coming weeks this is actually going to be the research sure. topic for one of my classes i am going to be actually hopefully pitching a piece to a couple of um a couple of our cricket outlets uh, regarding this topic um in the coming weeks i think it, it, it's a really interesting one you can see so my undergraduate dissertation in like 10 seconds was about the mls and how that has succeeded in terms of being a viable league but is it still, um, you know, getting enough supporters, uh, viewers, uh, supporters, 
uh, because of, you know, America's pretty crowded sports space. That was the kind of um, theoretical framework I was working with. You've got so many sports, as listeners know, like you've got basketball, football, um, even hockey is the one that's kind of just on the fringes of that. Um, but you have so it's a really crowded sports space. Right. And what's really interesting, Dan, I'm glad you mentioned the F1. You've seen F1 basically elbow its way um, into that sports space. Uh, massive success. The race was this weekend, as you said. Stars is a very funny video of a British uh, F1 commentator trying to interview Megan the Stallion which you that, may have seen that was one of the funniest things it, it was it accidental partridge picked it up really quickly i nearly dropped, i nearly spat my dinner out i mean martin brundle's a legend but it was weird go check that out if you can asking asking megan's landing to, to freestyle rap he just kept calling her freestyle rapper uh which was absolutely spectacular but you're obviously seeing potential for growth there i think one of the points i'm going to be making um, in the piece will obviously be looking at the relative success of the caribbean premier league being played um in florida um and seeing you know whether there's the potential to grow that we've got the you know minor league cricket that just kind of started and just uh, just wrapped up here i think a really important test will be obviously uh, the viability of major league cricket which will be um starting i think next year um yeah basically it's a new franchise like do you is there the support for that i think this is the bottom line mls has succeeded in some ways you've got some success stories or at least on the pacific northwest um with you know um, the Timbers, Portland Timbers, Seattle Sounders, real heartbed there. But you can see a lot of other uh, um, new new um, football clubs have struggled and, you know, a couple folded in early years. But currently, Major League Soccer seems to be a pretty solid plan for how you basically grow a league and build, uh, you know, a fan base from pretty much nothing. Atlanta are a great example of that. They've got a brand new stadium. They were filling it basically week in, week out in their first season. Um, so, yeah, comparison points to be made. In terms of cricket, I mean, I do worry with, you know, this baseball comparison. I do feel like a lot of Americans kind of feel like that type of sport for really want of a of a more technical word is kind of catered for. Um, so I think that's the biggest obstacle. But with that said, if F1 can make an impact with NASCAR pre-existing here and succeeding so much, that is probably evidence to the contrary. There is room with the right marketing, with the right, you know, with the, with the right celebrities, with um, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, so I think it's fascinating. Uh, I'll be talking about this on many more pods to come. Um, but honestly, yeah, Will, I, I thought you'd really, really interested in this IPL model and the way that <laughs> the cost has just skyrocketed, but yet still seems like a, a really sound investment. It's just, it's just mind-blowing. It's crazy. and And to be fair, it would be missing an angle if we didn't point out most bubbles do tend to burst. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at the moment, it looks like printing money for the investors. I'm I'm inherently nervous of things that double in value every 10 years. That seems like it's going to collapse at some stage. Mm-hmm. But that aside, that I mean, it probably won't for a while now. You're absolutely right on the importance of cracking America. And I think that's something that, that all the investors around cricket will be looking at. The second thing, the more longer term objective when you're looking at getting cricket into the Olympics is cracking China. China became an associate uh, member of the IOC in uh, in of uh, of the ICC in 2017, so four years ago now. Um, that's the huge, huge market. I mean, it's the one that we forget in terms of revenue when we're thinking about sports worldwide. The money in Chinese sport has just just as huge a potential, if not more, than cracking American. If you can start to get into that market via the Olympics, which is where lots of the Chinese sporting authorities end up putting their money for obvious reasons, then that's the sort of next huge growth potential. Oh, well, I think we should carry on with this. Should we have been off the World Cup? <laughs> should we forget about the World Cup? I think this is way more interesting. Um, but yeah, Glenn, let's put a pin in the uh, in the American special, which we'll have before the year's out, definitely. Way, way before Christmas, we'll get that done. Uh, but yeah, keep an eye on that IPL stuff. Um, 
fascinating to see him more overseas spots as well. Joe Root's going to go over there. Sure, great, whatever. Whatever he wants to do. Right, now we must talk about the World Cup. And we've had lots of cricket to cover. We loved, we loved, we loved the minnows. We loved doing the podcast. I think all the boys are nodding out along now. We all loved that first stage of all the minnows playing each other. There are a few dead games, but that was going to happen. But the games that were good were really, really good. Um, so I don't know where to start. I think we need to start with with the teams we sort of hung our hats on, respectively. And start on a sad note, Will. Oman, who were your boys, really, weren't they? You were really backing them to go a long way. Um, you're going to deliver the obituary for what was a, a tough tournament for Oman in their in their home nation. What went wrong? Because I think we sort of liked Oman. I think I, I got behind them after your pitch a couple of weeks ago. So where did it go wrong for them? We loved Oman. And there was a point during the Oman versus Bangladesh game, which was their second game in the first round group stage, where I was on my phone Googling, how can I buy an Oman jersey? <laughs> can, can, we get three <laughs> for the, can we get four for the RSP team? Um, and then all very quickly, at one stage that looked like, in that game, it looked like Oman would win. Very quickly, it went wrong. And suddenly they were, they were almost out of it. Where did it go wrong? I think at the end of the day, it sounds like a simple explanation, but it's true. And it's just that compared to other teams in the group, they just didn't have enough quality at the end of the day. I think lots of their players performed at their best or even exceeding their expectations. It's just at the end of the day, they were not as good as other teams in their group. We said this in the preview, although I love them. They were the lowest ranked team that managed to qualify. Um, they were you know, only fractionally above the UAE in the qualification 2019 table, which got them into this tournament. So we shouldn't really have had high expectations of them. Nonetheless, I did. <laughs> and, <laughs> why not? And why not? <laughs> and, and why not? Because they did. They did. You know, let's let's give, let's give them their dues. Give them their highs. They did batter uh, um, Papua New Guinea in the first game. Up to halfway through the Bangladesh game, Jatinder Singh was the top scorer in the first round. Who, by the way, deserves his own special credit because he's magnificent just in vibe as much as in cricket. The Shikhar Darwin celebration, the general, the way he goes about his cricket, absolutely love him. But then, of course, he gets out halfway through Bangladesh, which they they got a few early wickets against Bangladesh, which just looked like they might have a chance. They bled a few too many runs in the end, gave Bangladesh about 150, which was too many to chase. The opening partnership for Oman looked like they might get close to it. Then Jatinder got out. And as we've said, basically, they don't bat lower than three. We've said that all along since the preview. And that was so painful to watch because you thought I thought they could have got that. I really did. And they just ran out of people who could hit a ball. It, exactly. it was crazy. I've never seen a drop off like that in a batting order before. It's That was so stark. No, and it, that, that total looked so gettable. As, as I say, they, they bled a few too many runs. If they could have got Bangladesh for 135, it would have been a little bit gettable. But as we said, just nobody below three could bat at more than a run a ball. And at the end of the day, that's not going to win you games in the T20 competition. It really, really isn't. But to, 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 to get to give them the dues and look at the plus side, I really hope we'll see more of them in future at other tournaments. We have about... 100 t20 world cups in the next five years so yeah. i'm sure they'll be back at some stage they are a good growing side with really really obvious strengths but equally gaping holes i mean with the bowling we, we spoke about bilal khan fires but uh, before the preview we saw games of them and they played really really well they took some nice wickets uh, bilal khan has you know that little bit of the sort of mini shahida freedy to him which we will talk about later he gives you that power play bowling uh, the captains, Ishad Maksud, got a lot of wickets in the first round, so fair play to them with that. Jatinder finished as the second top scorer um, with a really good stat line. He's, he's got 113 runs uh, with a strike rate of nearly 150 across three games. Um, Wisden, interestingly, caught his run out in the Bangladesh game off the first ball of that innings, the big what-if of the tournament so far. Which it re- Sorry, that was in the, uh, in the last game of the Scotland game. Which it really was, because that completely derailed the innings. The, the Bangladesh game was key because if they'd won that, they could have gone straight through. It turned Scotland into a must-win 
Jacinda gets run out first ball of the innings and it was pretty much a damp squib after that. Um, but they're still a lovable team. There's lots of high points there. And also, I hadn't even noticed this until after their last game. They're also a sort of very nicely poetic game. We saw the India-Pakistan game yesterday, which always has lots of sort of trumped up rhetoric from both sides in the political side of things. But actually, all of the players got along very well yesterday, which was nice to see. Uh, and Amani, a great case study of that as well. I mean, about half the team is born in Punjab, either on the Indian side or the Pakistani side of the border. Uh, and it's it's very, very rare that you get to see Pakistan and India players on the same cricket pitch, let alone in the same 11. Um, and as we said on the preview, they have more sings than any other team. So <laughs> huge fan of this Oman team. And I, and I hope we get to see them again in future. Definitely. And I think with, like you said, about a million World Cups in the next few months and probably larger World Cups, they, they, they're good enough to get in more often than not, I think. So that's going to be exciting to watch. Um, should we round off our group, Will? So we had Oman. I looked after PNG in the preview part and they were as bad as I think we all expected. <laughs> they were really quite sad to watch, um, <laughs> which was gutting. I think I might have predicted them to get through, didn't I? Did you you convinced me that they yeah, had some open. Yeah, I, mean, I used to be a sa- I, used to, I used to be a salesman. Boy. I, used to, I used to sell things. I think I sold PNG for you for <laughs> way above market value because <laughs> you were like, "Yeah, go on." And I was like, "Oh God, okay." If you want to put your hat there, mate, go for it. They were poor. I've not got much to say about them, to be honest with you. But I will back Scotland, who are playing right now. As we as we speak, uh, as we record against Afghanistan, who are hitting them around wherever they're playing, Sharjah potentially. Uh, but Scotland were awesome. That win against Bangladesh in the first game of the tournament, I said it in the preview pod, get through that and you're pretty much through. And they battered Bangladesh. They really, really did. They looked a way more complete side. They looked so good bowling is the, is the biggest thing I'm impressed with. And then you've got those explosive batters. I don't know how they're going to get on against the big teams now. And this shows where Afghanistan are now as one of the you know, quote-unquote big teams who are currently going on at nine and over. Uh, in their first match. So maybe it's not going to be good things for Scotland going in, but they qualified comfortably as, and they sort of, they felt like the big team in that group after Bangladesh's pretty poor first start, uh, first game. Bangladesh creeped through and, and they had a decent game against Sri Lanka the other day. But yeah, Scotland were great fun. And I don't normally like supporting Scotland, but I'm going to, going to for now. How about their kit as well, boys? I think that's the little purple blue number. <laughs> very, very good. Um, so Scotland and Bangladesh crept out of Group A or Group 1. I can't remember what it was. Uh, unfortunately, lost Oman and PNG. Glenn, over to your group that you and Zach covered in the preview pod. Fortunately, Zach can't be with us today. He backed the Netherlands, which was a shame for his own sort of cricket, you know, shouts. Not not his finest moment. Um, Glenn, your boys, Namibia, absolutely the story of the uh, of the World Cup so far. Um, they've not played yet in, in, in the main draw. I can't wait to see them play. Um, you got people can't see our Facebook group chat for obvious reasons. It's our Facebook group chat. <laughs> it's for the best, but <laughs> it really is. But you know, you got some explaining to do, Glenn. You sort of you slightly jumped ship, and now you're back on. Yep. You were on. Yep. You were an ultra. Then you jumped off, and now for right for reasons, you're back on. What happened, Glenn? What happened this week? I watched them play cricket. <laughs> that was my great mistake. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, it's all fun and games when it's 2am and they're hitting UAE around the park. It's a little bit different when it's uh, uh, when it's the middle of the morning. I'm not a morning person. I'm watching them slog it out against Sri Lanka. Uh, yeah, they, they, that first game, uh, I want to say it was misleading. So, obviously, listeners, if you haven't heard the Minnow Pod, that was arguably our finest hour. I would recommend a listen to that. It's Especially, there's still a little bit of value for the teams that are obviously through now, such as Namibia. So, yeah, I was, I was tasked with um, digging them up. Uh, we had a great discussion, uh, talked about many of their finest players, um, Craig, uh, be, being Craig. Craig Williams, high performance cricket center is, is now one of my favorite places on the planet. Uh, basically, you know, I, I fell in love uh, with the country, with the people and the cricket. However, <laughs> the problem was the first game and I've watched, I'd say almost every ball, but it was so bad. I turned over for a, for a warm up between India and England, which was actually a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, yeah it was, it was, it was the first game. It was Sri Lanka, Namibia and yeah, Namibia were not very good. They were bowled out for 96. Sri Lanka trundled away um, uh, to 100, uh, winning by uh, seven wickets within 13 overs. They just looked really sad. Uh, it was just like they just didn't seem to be at the standard. And it was unfortunate. We did say this in the preview, obviously, that Sri Lanka was a pretty tricky game to get up first. Um, I will point out in that game that our boy, Mr. Williams, was top scorer, although he did take 36 balls to get his 29. So he was going knock, a fraction. Knock, important knock, you know. It doesn't, you know Actually, 29, we, 29, 29. You know, the high-performance centre... You know, produces anchors. That's something we should yeah, know. The anchor center. <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, I I was, and I'm going to have to own up to this on air. In a, in our in our group chat, I was less than complimentary about the state of them. But then, all, all of us, I'd say, were pretty much in agreement that maybe I had again done a little dodgy dodgy bit of um, salesmanship for, uh, such as such as Dan and uh, PNG. Uh, maybe maybe I had got overexcited. And yeah, I basically at that point, I was like, well, they're not great. They're not not the team I expected. However, and I'm going to say part of the next two games, the issue with this is I think they were the crack of dawn. It was like 5 a.m. for me, which was a massive shame because I was really keen to watch them again. And the, again the, time. The, the Big Island game, I knew you were gutted about because that was a winner-takes-all game, which I don't care if I even like the teams. I love a winner-takes-all game yeah. and it had your team in it. So that, that kind of hurt. Yeah, that really that really sucked because it's both the teams I previewed. I previewed uh, obviously Ireland and Namibia for 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 the last pod, and yeah, that that was a shame. But anyway, that aside, yeah, I was surprised that they that they beat Netherlands. They obviously had the potential to do it, um, but as we you mentioned, Dan Netherlands really didn't turn up to this tournament. Unfortunately, they were pr- they probably the saddest team of all eight, I'd say, because yeah. Papua New Guinea, you're not expecting much, you know, you're, you know, they're for the vibes, they're for a good time, but, but Netherlands, you know, I've heard of a few of their players and they were really, really poor. Um, yeah. Point being, Namibia beat them in the second game uh, by six wickets, only six balls left. It's a nice tight game. And then as you rightly said, come on to a winner take all last Friday, uh, Ireland, Namibia, basically, I think pretty much winner goes through my two, my two teams. And um, yeah, Namibia absolutely stormed it. Um, they won by eight wickets. It was a demolition job. Ireland were pretty, pretty um, frustrated. What I was particularly happy about is two of the players that I did pick um, in my preview, uh, the captain Erasmus, who is a seriously good batter. He got a 53 not out. And David Weiss, who um, who we know as, uh, you know, he's one of the probably the only player that pretty much anyone knows from a South Africa slash international T20 career. Uh, he played well as well, smashed a 28 or 14, again, not out. So those two really picked it up. And yeah, it was a seriously impressive victory. And yeah, I, I I did take all the plaudits on Twitter. I was retweeting myself um, on, the, on our account, <laughs> saying Nothing how wrong proud with that. I was. 
but so yes you're quite right to criticize uh you know the lack of longevity in my in my career as an ultra it lasted about 48 hours but the fact that you know we picked up even in our discussion that we picked out some players that succeeded they got through uh obviously yeah my personal uh credentials are potentially in the mud but i'm still delighted for namibia and and to draw both of those wonderful pitches for those teams together, because I think you're right, Scotland and Namibia are the two stories so far. And circle this in your diaries. This Wednesday, three o'clock UK time, they play each other. And that's a massive opportunity. Namibia have a great start to this group. They play Scotland and then Afghanistan, who are probably their two easiest fixtures in their Super 12 games. If they can West, somehow... West, West, oh, no, they're not in that group. My bad. Sorry, West Indies. If Namibia can pull a win out on Wednesday, who knows? It's pretty much a... For those two teams, if you if you want to get through to the semis, and we'll, we'll come on Massive. to discuss if any of these can get through, you have to win that game. You lose that, you're done. You're not you're not going to go and beat India or Pakistan, really, are you? I mean, yep. not really. Um, yeah, a word on that Namibia Ireland game. I really got fed up of Ireland. Like I normally quite like them, but then what what they were the underdogs, you know, circa ten years ago. Like seeing Kevin O'Brien still be there, names like Mark Adair. I'm like these guys have been around for so long. I'm so bored of them. They're not interesting. If they squeeze through to the Super 12s, I won't watch any of the games they play against India, Pakistan, the big names. I will watch every Namibia game and even get battered because it's more fun, it's more interesting, it's new. I got really angry with Ireland, so I'm very happy Namibia got through that. I, I wouldn't say I was angry, Dan, but I did I, yeah, I did mention it in that preview episode that there was a lack of excitement. The reason, honestly, because I was obviously given you know two teams uh, in the smaller stature in, in international cricket, and the reason I really did take that kind of um, loving for, for Namibia, I kind of took a shine to them, is because when I was doing the Ireland preview, as you rightly put, it just felt like a bit of a tired team. Obviously, Paul Sterling, who did top score, uh, once again, he showed his value. He got 38 off just 24 um, against Namibia, so he is clearly a quality player. But as you mentioned there just wasn't much excitement like kevin o'brien like the, you know he's been going forever he must be i think he is nearly 40 and the probably bright spark for them was curtis camper who got i think is it a double hat trick was the term people used um yeah and that, caused, that, caused a, that caused a lot of anger on twitter because i didn't it just think isn't, it made isn't, sense it's not a double no. hat trick i don't know that would be six I've never seen anything like that in my life imagine that in football score four goals like uh Fella for Leicester did the other week. A double hat trick. It's it's just a hat trick and another goal. Do you know what I mean? It's a hat trick and another wicket. Surely it's called four goals, four wickets. Um, yeah. So that was that was strange. But yeah, as a bright spark, obviously we do need to move on. Uh, the post mortem for Ireland can't last too much longer. But Curtis Campbell was probably the bright spark for them. Young player, impressive with the bowl and with the bat. Uh, but apart from that, it's a tired looking team. It's a team in transition. I think that's the phrase I may have thrown in during the podcast preview. Like, yeah, didn't offer much. And as you've rightly said, Dan, if they had kind of scraped through, there wouldn't have been much appetite probably among us. To, to view much of it which is a shame because i genuinely do like island cricket and um yeah it's a team i usually really enjoy watching but this iteration of them was just a little bit a little bit dated i'd say be interesting to see what they can do with the next world cup in a year whether that is still the same team same hangers yeah. on whether they have got anything coming through we're probably not too aware of it um before we come on to the the main tournament that started are any of those boys we just mentioned uh scotland bangladesh uh i've forgotten already namibia and Sri Lanka, there's the four that got through. Are any of them going to make it through to the semi-finals? Now, we've seen Sri Lanka beat Bangladesh in what was a very entertaining game. So they've sort of got the one-up on Bangladesh in, in, in England's group. Um, Scotland, who I might have said yes, because I was kind of feeling them have just have just leaked 190 runs against Afghanistan. Good luck, getting, good luck getting that against Rashid Khan and Uraman. You know, Mujib's going to come and bowl a little bit. Are any of them getting through? You can say it in one word if you like, because for me, it's no. But it'll be fun. 
if anybody, Sri Lanka, on the basis that that group is pretty terrible and the West Indies looked atrocious. Australia yeah, only on, the basis they, only on the basis they beat Bangladesh, they should be able to beat West Indies and they could probably get past South Africa. So, yeah. Ah, okay, I like that. I think that's probably the best shout, isn't it? Namibia are going to be a laugh, but if they go through, it'll be absolute scenes. I think we should have a national holiday. <laughs> Rainstop play holiday. Can we, can we, enforce our, we, we all take the day off work. <laughs> uh, you know, one thing I do want to add, completely agree. I think if it's going to be anyone, in my opinion, at least, it will probably just be Sri Lanka maybe scraping through. But uh, John Blaine on the, you know, we're probably all following the, the BBC live text of the game right now. It, is, it was a brutal end to the innings. Uh, they seem to have got about 20 runs off the last few balls. Um, but John Blaine, uh, former Scotland bowler, who's talking on TMS right now, he just said, um, Scotland, I'm going to quote him here, don't quite have the same zing they had before. It's been a long five weeks for them. They look a little fatigued in the body language. And something I think we do need to acknowledge is this prelim, as fun as it is for us, as you know, as you know, fans of the game, commentating on it a little bit, putting some extra content for us when we get to learn more about teams. This is a lot of work for them. And I know that the big teams were playing warm-ups, but obviously it's a world of difference between a must-win game, for example, the Ireland-Namibia game, or, you know, India and England, you know, just basically appreciating how good each team is and just having a warm-up in the conditions. So, yeah, you know, it's a lot of games they've played already at a high level, at high quality. Because they've made it through, they've been at a high level. And I, I'll tell you what, because we, you rightly said, Dan, I think Scotland's bowling seemed to be their strength. They're a relatively well-balanced well, well balanced team, but their, their bowling, you know, Josh Davey was, I think, the leading wicket-taker in the in those prelims, like, um, or up and, up and among them. Um, we were blown away by that, and I... If you told me, you know, an hour ago that Afghanistan were going to get nearly 200, that Scotland would be chasing 191, I would have been pretty shocked. So I think they are running out of steam a little bit. And I think you could probably say the same for a lot of the other teams that got through. Yeah, I usually agree with that. And I think the important thing for them is they've won just to get this far. Now they just need to try and give a good account of themselves, get a big scalp in the group stage and, and go home with, with the head held high. We don't have time for this discourse now, but I think it is interesting to discuss at some point, maybe after the World Cup, whether this format for doing the first round in this way first and then going to the main draw is is working well. Because we found it extremely entertaining. Um, but I think, as you say, it's quite harsh on the players to basically have to play a full qualifying tournament before the main draw. And also really confusing for viewers who are a bit more casual and kind of obviously are not going to switch on for Ireland against Namibia. But at the same time, you don't get that big fanfare of, oh, here's the first World Cup game. And it's something you want to watch. You sort of come across it because you switch on the news one day and they're talking about Cricket World Cup and you kind of go, oh, is there a World Cup going on? I hadn't noticed. That's a great point. I think it's definitely worth a chat when this World Cup's done because like the the mental fatigue these guys have gone through, like Namibia, Namibia dragging themselves over the line against Ireland must have taken so much out of that team. I mean, Erasmus looked absolutely shattered at the end of it. So then go in and play India, or they're not buzzing around, Pakistan who are buzzing around the field and nice and fresh. They're already better than them. Give them a little bit of help. So yeah, that's definitely worth a chat. Um, it's also been about 35 degrees for most of these games. Like the yeah. sweat coming off the players has been yeah. ridiculous. So. It's, it's looked really it's awesome. tough and you've got to go play. A bit, bit different to Glasgow. <laughs> <laughs> They've done well, the Scots, to get this far. They've done very well. Very well indeed. Okay, right. We're into the Super 12s and now let's have a little chat about what, what we've seen so far. Uh, first game of the tournament, Australia versus South Africa. I don't think anybody's watched this. It was early-ish on a Saturday. Um, South Africa looked terrible, got 118 for nine. And Australia only stumbled past them. That They got there in the end. Stoinis got them over the line. Um, but two, I think me and Zach in that pod agreed, two average-looking teams. I mean, I've backed Australia to go through, like Glenn has. So we're on the same team here, Glenn. So we're glad they won, in a way. But two pretty average teams struggling to get through. 
uh, all past one another. Uh, the the pitches have been a debate, haven't they? This was a, a low scorer. I think we might see quite a few low scorers saying that. As we said, Afghanistan just put up 190. Um, so that wasn't too interesting. Let's come on to the England-West Indies game. A stunning result. West Indies bowled out for 55. And England winning by six wickets uh, with more than 10 overs to spare. Just that net run rate alone, that was a win and a half for England. I saw someone describe it as a, as a, a loss and a half for the West Indies because... If you're level on points with somebody, you're never going to make those those runs back. This was this was just stunning, and I'm really quite smug about this. Not only because England won, but because in in our in the preview pod, me, Will, and Zach did. You boys think West Indies are going to win it? They're going to go absolutely mad. I was like, okay, I see the argument, but which West Indies is going to show up? We don't know half of the time, and a very strange West Indies showed up. I, I was like, this is a really strong team. This is a really really strong team. They, the bat the batters kept coming out. They kept coming. Hetmeyer, Poran, Gale, etc., and getting bowled out of fifty-five. It was really strange, wasn't it, boys? It was really and and the first few wickets were just all them holding out to the guys on the boundary. They weren't getting done by nipping and seaming and all that. They were later on, but I can't really explain what happened there. I'm still a bit shocked by it all. Yeah, I unfortunately I missed this as I was, as, as I was um, driving towards a picket line in Iowa uh, <laughs> at the time, which was a really unfortunate clash because, uh, as it were, this was one of the 9 a.m. games for me, so it was better than the really bleak ones at five. But with that said, obviously caught up with it. And, uh, yeah, I, we've got to just point to Rashid's figures. These are like, you know, when there's a, a slightly better kid in like an under-14s game. 2.2 <laughs> overs. <laughs> he didn't get a maiden. Disgraceful. Two runs <laughs> in those 2.2 uh, overs. Uh, four wickets and an economy of 0.86. I mean, against the holders. I mean, it's just nonsense. Crazy. Uh, yeah, and that's another bit of narrative. These are the holders. I know it was five years ago and that doesn't help. But a lot of that team stood around, if not a bit better, I think. But a little bit stronger. So I just think they batted terribly, really ill-disciplined. The way the way those first four wickets went down was was pretty self-inflicted, and then the skillful bowling of Mills and Rashid sort of mopped up a pretty um, demoralised tail. Um, should we talk about Tamal Mills? I think his first game, I think that was his first game in an ICC event, or at least his first game in England shirt in, in a big tournament, or at least in a proper T20I for a long time. He was fantastic. I think with the loss of Wood, who was injured, he bought that express pace, and he's got a fantastic slower ball as well. Yeah, I thought it was ace. And something I, I, I do want to uh, let listeners know is that, you know, some of the chat we were having before the game is that we were a bit worried about how the bowling lineup actually looked for, <laughs> for England, which Crazy. makes this even funnier. Like uh, Moeen, who, let's be honest, always has a shocking ball every over in him. He's a quality bowler, but, he, you know, he's not as consistent as perhaps he once was. Wokes, Mills, Jordan, Rashid. I mean... Yeah, yeah. It just doesn't jump out to me as you know a tournament-winning bowling lineup, as you know a bowling lineup that's going to dismiss West Indies for less than maybe say 140. Yeah. And the fact that as a collective group, to basically to a man, they all bowled really nicely. Mills, you know, arguably a standout. Obviously, he doesn't have the figure. Rashid was obviously the best of the four, without five of that doubt. But Mills, in terms of probably expectation to to delivering, uh, is probably. Um, one of one of the one of the most impressive and i think yeah he had four over 17 runs two wickets um economy of four obviously i, I the caveat that all of these um figures are exceptionally good we should obviously take them slightly with a pinch of salt but they're good because we played so well in a way so it's like it, it, it was just a surreal game i mean i just do not yeah. understand why west indies were bowled out for 55 by this bowling lineup there is no you could play this fixture a hundred times and this yeah. might not even happen once then i just couldn't get my head around it but they all just executed their skills perfectly and I think those four wickets that went down early. How about Moeen just dropping four overs in the power play 
uh, including Amazing. wicket maiden. He took a really good catch that first wicket. He let the ball come over his back. He was running away from it. The ball came over his back and he caught it over himself. That, I think, just gave the team a bunch of confidence. Watching Moeen land one, you know it's going to be a good day when he when he strings four overs in a row together. And it just kind of went from there. Um, the batting, they got 55. Really awkward number to chase. And uh, the commentators were saying, do you just go about it like you're chasing 150? I, I can't quite work out what they did. I think this comes to the point, I think Will made in, in the preview pod, that a lot of the English batters are a little bit out of Nick, apart from Butler. And that showed, like he got the runs in the warm game against New Zealand. He guided us home here. Uh, he looked fantastic. And then Roy and Bearstone and Livingston have all been a little bit scratchy. Uh, but I think to their credit, they tried to go about their game as they normally would and just got out one to a really good catch. You know, Bearstone got a little bit harder uh, at one spinning away from him. It, it was okay, right? I think the bowling was so good and the win was so comprehensive. It's kind of hard to talk about the batting, isn't it, really? It, it is, and there's a slight danger that maybe that ends up papering over cracks. I mean, usually if you end up at 56 for four, you think you've not had a great time. Yes, exactly. Um, and, and as you say, you, when you look at the numbers, they you know, they didn't just come out and think, well, we can slap this off five overs, and who cares if we get out? I mean, they basically all went at a run a ball. It was mm-hmm. very normal to really cricket. They just happened to get out. So that's not very ideal. I mean, it's one of those hilarious games that you, know, you usually get this stat that if a team loses three wickets in the power play, they lose 80% of the time. Turns out if they both do, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, if they get bottom of 55, you can do whatever you want. Exactly. At the end of the day, who cares? Um, but yeah, possibly slight cause for concern. The, the run out as well with Moeen was a bit, just a bit stupid. It was just an awkward number. That's what I'm putting it down to. It was an awkward number. We got over the line. I think everyone was just a little bit, little bit shell-shocked still, really, weren't they? <laughs> Um, all a little bit strange. A huge win for England. Like I said, it feels like a point and a half. Um, and I think the batters can do it when they need to. And I'm confident in them. So seeing the bowlers all do it and nail it that early on, is, I think will give them even more confidence. And can we just say on West Indies selection, because the, pro- the Nicholas Puran was raised in the West Indies preview. <laughs> yes. And, uh, who I did call a bit of a fraud. Well, he, <laughs> well, he came out and scored one run off nine balls. Uh, so that's yeah, pretty, pretty much as bad as it gets. I don't like Hetmeyer coming in at four in this West Indies team either. It looked, The opening partnership is a little bit fragile, and then you come in wanting one of your experienced heads who's going to anchor it a little bit, and then you get Gale and Hetmeyer, who if Gale gets out earlier, they're looking at Puran to come in, and it all it snowballs into a bit of a shambles rather yeah, than, oh, we've lost a couple of early wickets, so somebody comes in you can rely on. Um, and yeah, I bet there are a few piss- people missing Jason Holder right about now. And like seeing Ravi Rampal again, he's not played, I don't think he's played a game for the West Indies since 2012 when they won it. What the heck I saw him. Back? I saw him this summer. I saw him against Somerset in the, in the one day cup. Oh, was he at Derbyshire, <laughs> wasn't he this summer? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. And he, his bowling was, yeah, it was pretty solid, but he came in, he, bat, he came in number 11 and absolutely spanked a load of boundaries. He must have had a you know, 20 odd off about 10 balls, but it was so bizarre. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I was just checking the scorecard. I was like, wait, I just saw this bloke in like, <laughs> in like a second eleven game in England. And he, <laughs> now he's, now he's back in the, the West World Indies Cup. again, and he is he is knocking on forty. I think. Yeah, I think we'd all just rather Jason Holder. I think Sonny and Ryan would obviously do well in that middle order. You can move him around wherever the heck you want, batting wise. Ruston Chase seems good. to be the the big conversation as well. Yeah, he's in the squad. Why wasn't he there? Why he's wasn't got to be playing he? in the next game? You'd think. Uh, Hussein, the left arm spinner. Am I getting his name right? Um, has got an awesome arm ball. Have you seen it? It's like a real seam up and it's like an in-swinger, about 65 miles an hour. Very cool. And he took that awesome catch. So that is one crumb for the West Indies who embarrassed themselves, unfortunately. Great win for England. And I think that's what you can say. 
really. I think we have to move on from there. And I have to move on to you, Will. Um, oof. Tough Sunday for you as an India and a Man United fan. You've written down Pakistan 10 out of 10 in the notes, and they really were. Uh, and we must talk about how good they were. But what went wrong for India here? It was a, it was a slightly surreal game again, wasn't it? I think everyone's still just trying to get their get their feet grounded for this World Cup. Everything's a bit weird. What went on? It was extremely surreal, and it as as lots of people will know who were doing the same thing as I was, which is dual screening United Liverpool and India Pakistan at exactly the same time. And I was sending updates into our group chat like Salah has a hat trick, somebody scored a six for Pakistan, and and I had these two screens in in my room that I was sort of swiveling on my chair between viewing, and there was nowhere good to look at any uh, out stage. the window. I reckon, mate, just out the window, <laughs> just out the window, just stare into middle distance and cry. <laughs> Uh, so it was, it was pretty pitiful. But I think it, you asked the right question, which is, look, at the end of the day, it's very easy to lose your head about this. And, and I said on the preview that if India lose the first game against Pakistan, lots of India fans will have absolutely no chill. You'll see lots of stupid Twitter discourse and people calling for heads to roll and selection, whatever, whatever, whatever. At the end of the day, I don't think India were that bad. They were just significantly less good than Pakistan, who were phenomenal. And I think that's the story. When, when you when you bowl as well in, in a power play for, for two of the first three overs to come from Shaheen Shah Afridi and to bowl like that, I mean, what are you going to do? It's just, it's it was frightening, wasn't playable. it? That guy was absolutely flying. So good. And, and there are great, there's a couple, there's a side by side image that people have posted of Kale Rahul lining up for the shot. The sh- a shot for the ball he thinks is coming and then what actually happens when it swings in at his pads and it's it's pretty much unplayable I saw the stat that was it's something like that ball swung the ninth most of any ball that Sheena Freedy has bowled so wow. yeah <laughs> That's quite it cool. was it was pretty much unplayable fair enough you lose both openers pretty quickly it's hard to come back from that to lose as many early wickets as they did and end up crawling to 151 on a pretty difficult to bat on pitch or so it looked I thought was actually a pretty good result in the end. We got the little flurry from Pant in the middle, who scored a few sixes. One-handed sixes, no One-handed less. sixes, which yeah, are great fun, fun to watch. I saw someone tweet he's going to hit a no-handed six next. That's his next trick. <laughs> I'd love to see it. I mean, he does <laughs> He does have that shot where he sort of swings his hands at him and the bat goes flying across the pitch. So maybe that's maybe he'll just that throw the bat. for me. That's good enough. <laughs> yeah, chuck the bat at the ball and let the bat do it on its own. Okay. <laughs> exactly. The Ben Stokes World Cup final move. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we have to credit Pakistan. And of course, to, I mean, 10 wickets, is, is that, that is the 5-0 of cricket. Uh, to bring it home with you know, Babrizam 67 not out, uh, Rizwan 79 was it finished on. Pretty exceptional. You kind of have to hold your hands up there. Lots of questions for the Indian bowling. I think that's where there will be criticism. Um, I think you or Zach made the point when we were choosing our India team in the preview that they've only taken three seamers into the squad and played all of them first game and none of them were great. So that's a slight worry. We have Shardal Tucker, who's come into the squad now, who I, who I do expect to play the next game. Um, but they, they will have to look at something to change there. I think the uh, the line I put to uh, to Will yesterday was that uh, Man United had more red cards with Paul Pogba's graceful challenge, his leg-breaking challenge in 15 minutes because he really didn't fancy playing that day than India managed to get wickets against Pakistan. <laughs> just a brutal day. But uh, I think I tend to agree with you, Will, that Pakistan were just so good. And I think Fantastic. I agree that 150 looked fine. I think in hindsight, it was now 20 short. I think a better power play would have got you to 170. And yeah, Pakistan really good. Has anyone seen that video of Rizwan um, before the game, you know, sort of visualizing shots behind the behind the stump and someone's put it together next to the shots he actually played? And it, pretty much everyone he pulled off, the guy was dialed in uh, last night. And the bowling was so good from Pakistan. I think Zach rightly 
previewed these guys last week and said these guys are proper. This is a real team that should get through to the semi-finals and should be able to go on from there. And I think if it wasn't India they were playing and beat by 10 wickets, people would have gone, yeah, great, well done, Pakistan. It's the fact it's India, it's the fact they're the favourites and how much you think it's going to affect the rest of their campaign, Will. And as you've said here, their next games are tough. They've not got any easy games. So how do they bounce back from this? How much is it going to affect morale? You know, losing to your arch rival in such a dramatic way. I feel like we're doing a Man United Liverpool thing. It really, it really was so similar. It really was quite, quite, quite creepy what happened last night. How did India come back from here? Does Ole have to go? <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic question. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you could look at it one of two ways. On the one hand, the next games are the toughest in the group for India. They've got to go play New Zealand and then Afghanistan before Scotland and Namibia. So it could all go wrong quite quickly. If you lose two of those first three, you're in a lot of trouble before you even start being able to rack up points against the minnows. On the other hand, same situation for Pakistan, but you can look at it in a much more positive light. They've beaten India. They now have to go play New Zealand in a couple of days' time. If they win that game, they're almost as good as qualified because you'd, yeah, you'd, you'd, have, so. you'd have to think it's two out of the three of, of India, Pakistan and New Zealand are going to get there. Um, which, given that I didn't, you know, I, I predicted India and New Zealand to make it, uh, that uh, prediction doesn't look like ageing very well. <laughs> um as I say, I, I think, and you can take this as an answer to your Ole question as well if you want, I don't think overreacting to a defeat like that is a sensible decision. Okay, I see where you're going I with that. I think most fronts. of the selection is pretty much the team that we would play. I mean, the team that the 11 that India put out is exactly the same as the 11 that I first wrote down in the preview, except they picked Chakravarti for the spinner spot. He was okay. He wasn't great. Wouldn't be surprised to see Ashwin maybe take that spot next game. Um, the, the Ishkish is the one that everybody, you know, we were saying, oh, you know, he, he did great in the warm-up game. He looks like he gives a, a lot of balance and talent to that opening partnership. Maybe he could come in, but you're just not going to drop Roach Armour, so I wouldn't expect that to happen. Um, so I think really the only selection change you're probably going to make is, is given that Hardik Pandya already can't bowl and was taken out of the game at the change of innings to go have a scan on his right shoulder because he got hit while batting, which is obviously oh. his bowling shoulder. Yeah. When you've got an all-rounder who doesn't bowl and didn't field and didn't bat particularly well, uh, he might lose his place. <laughs> I think it's fair <laughs> I think to say. Fair, I think it's a fair argument. <laughs> so, so Shardell for Hardik, probably the the only thing. But uh, look, at the end of the day, they're still a phenomenal team. They've got an unbelievable team. They've got depth in every single position. New Zealand, I thought would be quite good. I listened to the preview, great preview that, that you, and, uh, you and Zach did, talking about New Zealand as a T20 side. You did not rate them very highly at all, Dan. So I'm I'm interested to see how they get on in their first game. Same. So so you know that's the key match is India versus New Zealand uh, in a six or seven days time. That's going to be massive uh, for the group, and and I still think India have a very good chance of winning that game. Yeah, I rate that. Don't panic. Don't sack Ole. Everything's going to be okay. It was a bit just a bit. Everything got a bit dramatic last night. It was just all a bit dramatic. It got weird. Uh, it got dark. It did. It really did. I've not had a sport in Sunday that for a long, a long, long time. Um, so that yeah, that was uh, India Pakistan awesome game. You love to see that. You just don't see these two teams playing at all, and it was really fun. Full stadium, all good stuff. Probably a chat to be had about them playing more. Again, we we come up with lots of pod ideas. I think today more than anything <laughs> um, live for the listeners as well. We'll talk about the last game of the weekend: Sri Lanka beating Bangladesh. Uh, pretty impressive from both. These are the two teams that qualified, uh, but a real leg up for Sri Lanka, as you mentioned at the top of the pod. If they do want to somehow get through to the semi-finals, is to beat the fellow qualifier. Uh, in the group, there was a good bit of beef between Lit and Das and one of the bowlers. He got a bit of a send off, and then Das was like pointing the bat in his face, and the umpire had to get stuck in to to put it away. And then 
obviously the commentators had to denounce it but i think it's something we all want to see a bit more of but you also <laughs> you have to say you don't want to see any of that you don't like to see it but you'd also like you to do. see much more of it <laughs> exactly you don't see that enough in cricket a real good send-off and the batter getting stuck in again so that that was good fun uh, and that's about it i mean a lot of cricket since we were last on since our preview pods what's coming up before the next pod will's put this together for us fantastically afghanistan scotland going on right now scotland have a nice little start oh no they just lost Kurtzer. They're 28 for one, though, after three. It's not bad. The, the fa- win. Oh, sorry, well, you go. My favourite part about this podcast is when we turn into Soccer Saturday when there's a live <laughs> game going on, and someone will just go, There's been a wicket in Scotland, there's Afghanistan. Been a, there's been a wicket in Sharjah. Well, well I'm, I'm surprised. And this, I think this was before the wicket. Before that wicket, Scotland were doing pretty suddenly. They're going eight and over. The live win probability, it's on Google. I don't quite know the source of it. I should probably find that. They had was, Afghanistan yeah. at 95% yeah. win probability. I don't think that's WinViz or Crick. I don't think that's something sensible. It's local Google. It's some guy in Silicon, guy in Silicon Valley. <laughs> He's got no idea. Who thinks he's watching baseball? He doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, it's got a lot out of that. That, that. that could be really interesting. So we'll chat about that game in the next pod. South Africa, West Indies. It'll be really interesting to see how the West Indies can bounce back. Pakistan, New Zealand, England, Bangladesh. Uh, and then the big Dan versus Glen Derby of Scotland versus Namibia. Uh, we'll have all that to round up when we're back. I've just found the official win viz for that game. It is 95% Afghanistan. Oh. Oh. Maybe so. What, what a Winviz got? What's up with Winviz? I trust Winviz. So, so Google are just piping in Winviz. Then they're just they're just using all of to, that. To be fair, I I can't see Scotland chasing this at all. But I I do think at this stage with the before the wicket, it was a very solid like you know nearly nearly nine and over start. I don't think that's like a ninety five yeah. percenter. If it was you know you're going at eight with one wicket down, it seventy five to Afghanistan. But they're obviously in the ascendancy. I think we're all in agreement on that. Right. Let's again. Another if podcast. you guys, if you guys want to take it up with the data scientists, by all means. <laughs> I really don't. They'll just embarrass me. They'll just embarrass all of us. I think. Uh, and that meant that's a pod for another day as well. What is Winviz? Is it good? another? It oh, bad? and and we're going to say the Winviz is probably going to be about ninety nine percent because uh, Callum McLeod has got a golden duck coming in. Ooh. So I think I think Dan, it's fair to say people with a PhD in uh, computer science and statistic <laughs> statistical engineering, <laughs> which I'm going to make up as a discipline, probably probably understand this. Slightly better than you and I on our podcast. Statistical engineering. If there is a statistical engineer out there, please do get in touch. Phone it because we need one. We need one. It's not us. Well, by the time you've listened to this, this chat would have been irrelevant anyway because Afghanistan would have won. So uh, enjoy. Uh, Boys, that was really fun. Thank you, Will. Thank you, Glenn. As I said, we'll be back uh, next week to review all those games I just mentioned. Enjoy the World Cup. Hope your team's doing well. Big up England. It's all going to it's all going to be fine. And uh, thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.